Good morning and welcome to Get Steffed, a hairdresser in conversation. Um, welcome to the podcast that really is just about chatting to very interesting people, people that have inspired me over the years and people that I feel are just, just so worthwhile listening to. They have so much to offer and Every time I've talked to these special guests of mine over the years, I've thought to myself, God, if only other people could just hear this conversation. And so that's how I choose the people to come onto the show. And um, this is an amateur production. We're not trying to be superstars. We are honestly having genuine conversations. Uh, There might be some glitches, but that's all part of the fun. So today I'm very, very lucky to have a friend of mine. I'm lucky to call her a friend, actually. Her name is uh, Kerry Brown, affectionately known as Kez or Keza. And I'm um, very, very happy to have her on. Now, Kerry is an incredible woman. We're not going to call her anything because the work she does really doesn't have a label. Um, but it is definitely within the realm of that which we can't see so she does a lot of healings she works one-on-one I was lucky enough to be involved in an eight-week chakra aligning course for perimenopausal and menopausal women which was one of the most I think on reflection life-changing periods of time in my life and I I don't say that lightly so yeah, Kerry, she's she's just an incredible woman. So let's let's introduce her to the conversation and basically start talking. Kerry, good morning. Good morning, Steffi. How are you, Kez? I'm good. I just got goosebumps listening to you then. Oh, that's nice. Mm, just the depth of what you experienced during the program is really moving. Yeah. Just, of the eight-week program, it was it was more than more than it was probably wider and deeper than what I expected because you know I'm not new to healing I'm not new to energy work or spiritualism, um, but yes, it was more than what I was expecting, which is what I needed. Yeah, well done. <laughs> So maybe we could, where do I want to start? Because I want to give people this full picture of you. Let's start with how how I met you and the questions I had when I met you. And that is, how did you, how did you get to where you are with what you do for people? Just a quick snapshot of, you know, the time. Just, just the pros, process, because I think a lot of us wonder how do these special people become um, energy workers, spiritual healers, healers. What the names are abundant, and I don't want to put any name on you, but it's such a magical gift that I often wonder how how did how do those people get there? So could we start with that? Yeah, sure. I think there's a few different ways people can end up in a profession or, you know, in a job like this. Um, I do mediumship work where I have 
people that have passed over come through. And for me, it didn't, that's one of the aspects. And then there's the psychic aspect of tuning into somebody that's sitting there in front of me or who I'm tuning in with. Um, they could be overseas. It doesn't matter where someone is physically from me and I can tune in. Um, with me for the mediumship part of connecting with spirits, that started about 13 years ago. That was just after my um, third child was born and I, I experienced a lot of different visions and when I was doing hypnobirthing, which is a process of um, deep relaxation and it's a bit like hypnotising yourself, um, preparing for labour and during labour. And I had a lot of visions and experiences and connections then. And with the psychic part of tuning into somebody else, I think I've been doing that since I was little of just feeling everyone's energy, like anyone that's sort of sensitive to energy. I could feel what was going on for someone. And then when I was a registered nurse, I could tune in and know if someone had been, um, for example, sexually abused and why they didn't want someone sponging them or a male nurse sponging them. Um, things like that where knowing something about someone without them telling me and that being really helpful to be able to um, support them more. Mm. Yeah, and then I, I was, uh, after my second child, just to go back a little bit, um, I had chronic back pain after... I had her and I was really low emotionally and from that place of going really low and crying every day and wondering what life was about and hoping to die when I'd go to sleep at night um, because I just wasn't coping with the pain or with life um, and we were really busy. We had our own business and lots of stress, my husband and I. Um, yeah, and I think from there a yearning happened of a, an inner journey and then I went really deep on that inner journey after my third child was born, going to different groups um, like meditation groups and so a lot unraveled there and I started to receive lots and lots of messages and begin sort of practising healing Um yeah, and then it's been uh, then nursing. Um, I got a message, you know, received a message when I was walking up a mountain <laughs> to say that nursing was finished. So that was uh. eight, eight years ago. So I've been focusing on this spiritual sort of work for eight years. So can I just ask, when you say you received messages, can you describe yes. to us what that feels and looks like for you? Yeah. Well, probably one really strong message and vision was when we lived in Victoria eight years ago and I was sitting and meditating and I saw, I was shown a town a bit like if you were to 
visualize the beach right now and you know how you can be you can be looking at something but then you can also see the beach in your sort of imagination Mm -hmm. so I would be shown I get shown visions there like that and I was shown a town and then I I hear these messages and it was that we were to move to northern New South Wales and I was shown a old-fashioned town, sort of old-fashioned shops and a, a hill in the main street and a pub on, up one end of the street and a school down the other. Yeah. So it's quite specific. Really specific. Are they always mm. specific, your messages? I guess I've spent many years meditating and really connecting in and working that muscle. Yeah. Okay. So they they have become more specific over time, but it was definitely something that I spent, you know, many hours doing that I've done for years. I was just driven to do it. It wasn't like hard work. It was just something I kind of had to do. Yeah, I see. A drive to do it. And so the other part of those messages when you say you hear is it, a, is it a male voice, a female voice? Is it a, do you know what I mean? Does it feel like your, your intuition voice? Yeah, it's funny. Just open that door for us a little bit. Sure. Um, yeah, it's interesting because I remember asking someone the same thing. Um, with the mediumship part, I didn't really know that I could connect to spirits, um, that I had that ability know that from a young age like some people do that do a lot of mediumship work it's just a really natural thing that they've known since for as long as they can remember and I can remember saying this medium that I knew um she said something about me being that and I said no I'm not and she said I didn't know I didn't know that you didn't know and I'm like oh Oh. we've been hanging out for about a year and um I'm like no I'm not and then she was laughing and I, anyway, she helped me tune in and do these different sort of exercises where you would sit there and you, it's a bit like for anyone listening that's had a um, regression session, it, you know, like past life regression, um, where you visualize yourself sort of in the room that you're in and then you visualize yourself sort of coming out of your body and looking down at your body and and then you're looking down at yourself from sort of far up in the sky and then you become like in more of an expansive state and a different um vibration or frequency and Mm. it was from that place that I began to receive more and um, I, but that day when she was saying, I didn't know you didn't know. And I'm saying, well, I don't understand how you hear these things if no one's actually talking to you sort of physically in the room. You know, I had trouble getting my yes. head around it. I'm like, I just don't get it. And then um, even that day, I sort of went into this zone and then I could hear all these voices and I saw her mum and dad. I didn't know that passed. Um, they came to me, I saw their kitchen that they used to have and they explained to me all these things about why they 
parented the way they did and the disappointment she had in them. And so, yeah, even the day at first really happened strongly. I didn't even know how that works. And then, so um, it's, if you imagine, well, you know, when a, the voice in your head says it's, yeah. Um, I know Eckhart Tolle talks about this when he first connected in with, well, who is that other voice? Um, so I think sometimes there's different voices Um I will hear my, if you want to call it your higher self or soul. Um, I can hear that part with guidance. Um, and then I hear other people like that have passed over. And then I might hear the star sort of family or people that I connect with as well. Like, um, yeah. There's... How do you, how do you know it's them? Oh, with them, I see them. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're smiling. I can I hear know, that. I'm smiling. They're like um, my family. It sounds a bit bizarre, but it took a long no. time for me to understand where those ones were from. And I had to have a, um, I don't want to get too um, complicated here. Will I explain? Well, just yeah. do it. Um, just do it. So with the, yeah. yeah <laughs> You can hear a lot of people talk these days in the sort of spiritual world about star seeds. And for anyone that doesn't know, they're talking about people that have originated from the stars. I think we probably all have. And the, you know, ancient civilizations and, um, you know, and the indigenous culture here, they talk about originating from the stars and often talk about Pleiades. And when I worked with Lakota people in the Black Hills uh, six years ago, you know, their place of origin is Pleiades, um, which is a group of stars in the Southern Hemisphere. And not the Southern Hemisphere, sorry, in the um, Milky Way. And so I connect, yeah, with these I just think of them as my star family because I remember times when I was Pleiadian and I feel there's an aspect of me that I connect into that is still there, another mm. part, aspect of me. and But their vibration was too high, too uncomfortable for me initially to when I would receive messages it was nearly like this feeling of birthing it was this like extreme energy um coming through me that wasn't comfortable so I had another sort of guide come through that was a vibration between me and them oh my god yeah so do you still have that um no I go straight to the Pleiadian sort of family but I do have the beautiful grandmothers that came through a lot in the eight-week program that you did that they are a vibration between the two and sometimes they come through they used to come through in meditation to help someone if if I had someone in my meditation group um, that had been coming you know for weeks when I used to run a weekly meditation group um, when there was someone that was sort of nearly ready to connect with their star family, sometimes the grandmothers would come through and 
share information so that other person wasn't nervous and felt comfortable and would just help with that frequency of getting to that frequency. It's amazing, kids. <laughs> yeah, it's all, uh, you can stay grounded with it though, um, even though it sounds a bit weird or different. Um, I guess my big thing with this whole spiritual sort of conversation is that I'm all about using it to um, to help you in your everyday life, not to escape into it because there's a lot of people that have got into spiritual work because this world, this life feels painful. <laughs> and if they escape into a sort of love and light concept, they don't feel that pain of this reality so much. But, yeah. but I'm not about that. I'm about us being grounded um being in this human body, this human life, and then bringing in aspects. And then you know, the spiritual part anyway, we've all got, you know. So for me, it's not going outside of ourselves. It's actually going deep within ourselves, and then also connecting to other realms if we choose to. Well, I think that definitely from my perspective that, that groundedness has been a very big part of why I've felt safe to learn more about um, things that I can't see, things that are intangible, but I know that I can sense. I've always been very afraid of that. But when I met you, and I often describe you in this way to other people, is yes, of course, you're extremely down to earth. Like it's it's just like chatting to another fellow Australian. You're not, you're not woo-woo. You're not, you've got your feet on the ground, which to me feels very real. And I describe you to others as you were like, um, you're like a doorway for me that feels normal and safe to open up and have a look at the, the, the other side that I know that I'm sensing. Whereas with other people, because they are a little bit woo-woo, but they're still very skilled at what they do, that's all good. But it isn't for me. I need someone who's just, in my mind, really normal. Mm. I, yeah. I, I, I hope that makes sense and it doesn't sound I, – I just, yeah, I don't want it to sound anything other than just that. I feel like I'm talking to an authentic human not someone that's different to me or um, more gifted or blessed than me in a, in a way that I can't tap into. Totally. And I think that's the beauty. Uh, that's the, what I love in this sort of work is assisting others to tap into that resource that we all have of like the inner knowing, the ability to connect to other realms. So yeah, we all have this amazing intuition and this um, information in ourselves as well. So part of it is for me to help others tap in to remember and to go on their own journey. But me be, I guess, spiritual midwife is probably the most comfortable term I have to describe what I do these days is me guiding someone to do what they innately know 
how to do, but just need that remembering and guidance like when we're having birthing babies. Well, and and that is honestly exactly how it feels. You know, you you seem to naturally drip in information as it's required. Do you know you don't go too far past the point of the unknown? Yeah. Um, so my twenty years registered as a registered nurse has helped me with that because it was really important to me to provide a safe, supportive environment for any any of my patients. And especially when someone's in hospital, they're in the unknown, they're vulnerable, they're going through a really difficult time. And especially when I was nursing, you know, palliative patients, you know, the most important thing I could do in that moment was to provide a safe, supportive environment where they felt comfortable. So tuning into, for me, where someone's at and knowing step is comfortable and then also as you would know I also when it's safe I will give someone a nudge to just nudge them that little bit further just out of their comfort zone a little bit but not too far that it's scary but still that little bit of a push yeah stretching Mm. people it's it's good that's where we grow for sure it's like with with coaching there's um there's edges of our knowledge that in the coaching world we term as boundary conditions. Right. And it's, yeah, it's like when you know you can tell um, by someone's language and the way they've started to breathe or the way that they've started to move, uh, that they've hit a boundary condition and the language often involves an I don't know. Right. Yeah, and that it's one of the ways you can tell when a client has hit that space where they just don't know, but you know you can stretch them just beyond it for their own learning. Beautiful. And, yeah, it is. It's beautiful. That just sounded so similar. Different modality, but very similar. And you work want someone to go into their fight or flight. Hell no. We've been That's there, right. sister. But you, um, I mean, there, there can be something to be gained from that, but you don't want sort of to be operating too much from that, but just a bit of a nudge. And um, But I, I know th- there is, yes, Steffi, you know all about it. You, you went deep and beyond. Uh, I guess the other thing I wanted to mention was that with the healing sort of work I do, um, it's me connecting in with people's emotions and so it's not always tuning into another realm or anything like that. It, it's Carrie, you there? I am. We just had a slight moment to pause. And I it's, like that. We can yeah, embrace that. The, the, the <laughs> space between is pretty special. It is. These were these beautiful glitches I was talking about. Mm. But what you were just saying was what? Um, Was that (laughs) I'm not always going off into other realms or anything. Um, In a lot of the work I do, we're we're processing someone's emotions and 
releasing what's ready to be released. I'm all about that in our current modern society, in especially well mainstream Australia, and in many other countries, Western countries, we don't really embrace experiencing the whole gamut of emotions. We think we're meant to have a smile on our face and um, that a lot of the other emotions aren't okay. So I love working with people's emotions and allowing them to feel it and honour what that emotion's telling them and navigating it, not that it's something wrong with expressing and having emotions. I love that. And you know that's where our work connects. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Just I think being able to dive deep into emotion and know that it's safe and that there is a regularity about that. (laughs) Like We're built to be so diverse and so um, we're just so layered. We're meant to experience all these finer details of any single emotion and just go there, accept it and then let it go or, or whatever. Yeah. And that that's a signpost. It's like a, okay, so what, what's coming up for me and what does that mean? And so mm-hmm. they can actually be really useful rather than squashing them down. And, um, you know, we, there's a big reliance on alcohol in our society and caffeine and you've got these busy lives. People get up, rely on their coffee to get into their busy day and then the day's so busy then to wind down they have a drink and then you know there's just not as much room because we don't live a slow life um and one where we're able to express and explore emotions so much there's a lot of suppressing that Mm. So I can understand, I've been through that myself. I certainly went through it with nursing and in a business where I was on a, you know, a cycle like that. So it's been nice to slow down over the last sort of 10 years and be able Mm. to process and notice different emotions and explore them. Yeah, that, that metaphor that you would have heard me use over the years is, is like that emotions are like a dashboard in front of us. Yes. When you, you're feeling something, a light will flash up and get your attention and you flick the switch or you have a look at the, the gauge or the dial and investigate why it's doing that. Uh, that's how I see emotions is like this very helpful dashboard in front of us. Yes, rather than you see the light and you try and cover it. Yeah. But having said that, Kez, from my own experiences as someone who welcomes experiencing emotions, it can be quite isolating because it does mean you're a sensitive human, which is what we're meant to be. But fitting into regular mainstream society, I find that that hard. When, mm. when I'm experiencing something honestly to go down to food works and <laughs> get some oat milk, <laughs> You know, uh, I find that really hard. Yeah, for sure. And I think because um, also people think that if you share your emotions, they need to fix and help. Correct. So because emotions aren't accepted as okay, people don't feel okay. 
around them at times. And I know when we were visiting, uh, my family and I were in Cambodia and I was listening to them express the whole gamut of emotions and no one needing to fix it. It might be like, uh, yeah, I'm angry with the neighbour today. Um, I'm sad because this happened and then I'm happy about this. And everyone was just cool with that. No one needed to, I mean, someone might go in and, and help where needed, but they didn't look at that person as broken or as something wrong with them. Mm. And I have a lot of Italian friends. I love the way they express. I've got Filipino and Thai friends and, you know, they express the whole gamut and nothing's, it doesn't mean that that person's broken um, or that mm. someone has to sort of fix them in the way that yeah often I haven't expressed my emotions around people because I know that they're not going to receive it in a way that's going to be helpful for me or to just sit and hold the space and not try and fix or then put me in a category later of oh and just keep thinking of that particular situation each time mm, yeah yeah it's that's very, very interesting. But this, um, the sensitivity part that you spoke of, um, I think that the uh, that yes, that can be a superpower and feel like you're kryptonite. When you're sensitive, it can mean you're tuned in, tapped in, and you know, experiencing things um, that you can use for your coaching. For me, in the healing work I do. But then when you're out in a group and you're feeling all the emotion or you're feeling overwhelmed, can feel like a kryptonite. So um, I just worked out ways and help others work out ways to manage that. It might be they need, you know, quite a bit of time by themselves or half an hour to themselves of being away from anything external and just connecting to themselves. Mm. Yeah. I think for me, I was just thinking about one of the tools in which you helped me with in, in that, the most recent experience, you know, the panic attacks I've been yes, having. and I love your openness about that. So, so many can learn oh, from yeah. what you share. Yeah, look, I hope so because a lot of the time it's lonely work because not a lot of people like to identify even though, they read it and feel they've right. identified. So it's, it's quite silent yes. work, you know, um, because it takes another brave soul to reach out and go, oh, my God, this is me as well. Yes. So it's few and far between, but I still feel compelled to write about these deep experiences or speak about them. So I don't know what I'm doing, but I just do it because it feels right to do yeah, it. Yeah, and... With that, I know that people, I will have posted something vulnerable or, you know, whatever it may be that I've shared, like in just realness. And then mm. this person or people won't have commented on it on social media, but they'll tell me how, what an impact it's had. So there's a lot of people <laughs> and they'll be able to explain it and say, oh my God, for a week I thought about that and this happened. And they, so I think um, even if people aren't commenting, there's still the work's being done and received. So soldier on, love. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, darling. 
yeah, like uh, just to get back to the tools that, that you gave me in that moment, because anybody that's experienced a panic attack in the truest sense of the word, we are in panic at that time and almost unreachable because we have pulled all of our resources to try to just cope in that moment. Actually, I, I think my last blog post was about this um, it, because from the outside socially, watching someone in a panic attack is full of judgment because us as humans, we like to know what's happening. Uh, but if we have someone in front of us where the behaviour is out of the ordinary or different to their usual pattern of behaviour, it makes us want to step back. And so the last blog post I was writing was tr to try to help others in their perspective of watching someone in panic uh, to assist with uh, just knowing that there was nothing to fix, that really it was just about acceptance yeah. and no, no judgment if possible. And um, anyway, when we spoke the last time I was in many panic attacks that I have had subsequently since doing your course, that sounds bad. <laughs> But what I mean is that things that. are... Yeah, you, you were ready to <laughs> release so much that you'd been holding on to and carrying daily, minute by minute, and you were ready to be able to handle these panic attacks. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Just to clarify that, yes, it, it was a welcomed yeah. doorway for things coming up to heal, right? So just to put that in context. But... The last one I was having was really, really about um, you just <laughs> that's funny, I know. You just helped me understand to find gratitude in the processes and the tools that my mind had put in place as a young girl to protect yeah. me. Um, and that helped me do the Eckhart Tolle thing of separating finding gratitude in all the hard mental work that I've done and not get bogged down in the shame of the moment. Yes, and uh, with the coping mechanism, so when we have a response to something, whether it's protecting ourselves in a relationship where we shut down a part of ourselves if we've had a bad experience in a relationship, um, whatever it may be that we shut a part of ourselves down, that's happened in order for you to be safe. So for your mind, what your mind thinks and your body thinks, it's keeping you safe. And it's not necessarily for quality of life, but quantity. So it's for you to actually be alive. And that is so yeah, well so said. I was talking to someone on the weekend um, and she was saying how bad it is that she's shut certain parts down. And it was like, no, that part of you, you might be ready to release that now and stop doing it because it feels more painful than what you're protecting yourself from. But every part of you did that to keep you safe. So, you know, honour that, that, yes, thank you so much. I don't need that now, but thank you so much for keeping me safe and how clever that is. Um, if you imagine in caveman times or whatever, um, where your body's gone into fight or flight to protect you from um, being killed by maybe another tribe or 
um, an animal or whatever it may be, you know, we're just operating like that. We've decided at some point we need to sort of go into that fight or flight and do whatever it is for protection. So it's like, how clever is that? Even though it feels painful, um, once you realize that it can be getting in the way of your life, but it's not something to hate about yourself. It's like, thank you for keeping me safe. And in that single moment of you providing not only the tools for me, but also the wide, wide open armed acceptance of just being able to have that conversation with me immediately alleviated the the shame yeah and I think um I didn't see you as broken I don't see any of this any of these responses that it means there's brokenness at all it's actually the opposite to me it's like well yeah how cool was that that that's what happens and yeah it doesn't feel great so let's you know look at what you can do but it's there's nothing wrong nothing broken and I know that in those moments with the panic attacks for you, that that every part of you believes that is a real threat. What you're experiencing is, if I go back to the tribe or the caveman, um, it it is like your life is in danger. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's real for you. Even though your life's not in danger in that moment, it brings up every feeling of when you would your life would or has been endangered like any PTSD the post traumatic stress disorder you know of um and i think a lot of we've probably all got that on a you know varying levels it could be really mild from when someone put you down as a kid or you weren't heard or whatever it is we have this response in us to keep us safe um whether it's emotionally or physically Um, And what else about that? I loved your response as well about it was something about my approach was the easy. What was it? Some easy, easy as you go. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, it was. It was was easy. Steady as you you, you go. Yeah. Because I hadn't panicked or thought there was something majorly wrong with you, whereas you were thinking that and others would think that. Correct. So you're trying to educate others about how to respond. And for me, you didn't need fixing. I could just share some info that would assist you, but you're not broken. But that's why holding that space and that down-to-earth nature that you have, Kez, is so special and so magical because... It's, it's the unicorn in the social experience when we're having panic attacks. So when you come across that, it is so noticeable to just be able to exhale in someone's company like you. And it's not about uh, expecting that person to fix you. It's just you know that they're allowing what's going on without any shock. There's no shock. You're just holding the space. Oh, okay. You really... You're in another another realm. Like I, I always feel like my feet are off the ground. I'm away. I am away when I'm in a panic attack. I'm yeah. Not, you lose yeah. your center. You're not. You lose your center of who you are. Um, yeah. You don't feel grounded. It, yeah. 
and my children look at me and see vacancy, you know, they ask, where, where, are you all right, mum? What are you feeling? That yeah. you can just, the children are so clear, they can just tell. And so, yeah, in that, that moment of, I guess, holding the space, cares, it's just I didn't have to work through an additional layer of shame. All I had to mm. work through was my panic attack at that time. Mm-hmm. And yes. that, I was so grateful for that moment. That was, I was sitting in the car park, wasn't I, in between grocery shopping? <laughs> yes, a very run-down supermarket, I think. Um, Were you? Yeah, I think I was in Tamworth on a road trip and <laughs> then I sent you a photo of the path, the crossing in front of me, and it was like a metaphor, wasn't it, it, for it is. you with that? I can't remember what words we shared, but it's like, yeah, cool, all right, what's, what's next? It's more like that's, it's the same as steady as you go. It's one step at a time, you know, one foot in in front of the other or baby steps. It's all that. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be dramatic. Like, it's no. just like, oh yeah, that's that bit. We've seen that. And yeah. What else you got for me? <laughs> yeah. Um. So Kez, like at the moment, I know you've done that incredible eight-week course and I, um, we chatted about you're going to put a version of that online. That'll be your next step. And yes. then moving on from that, you have a, an even larger goal with some other courses. But yes. right now, if someone wanted to connect with you, uh, how would they do that? And what would they be, you know, what would they be asking for? Like one-on-one sessions or? Yeah, at the moment... I haven't locked in any group um, in-person or online workshops or programs. I've been simmering away with ideas that are coming through. So, but right now I'm available for one-on-one sessions in person in the sort of Byron Shire or um, by video call. I can tune in and know things no matter where you are. In the world, um, connect in and then so cool. we can do the video um, call with that. And what else was I going to say? Yeah, I've, with the, you know, ideas simmering away, I've just been down to the, or the also called the Gosford Glyphs, um, close to Sydney and to an area with, the land really um, activated different parts of me and I received lots of sort of messages while I was there. So I'm allowing that to process as the new ideas come through of what would be the most helpful for people to receive from me with, Mm. yeah, with workshops and courses. I love that that's the basis of your next course decision. It's not a marketing profile. It's <laughs> it's based on the messages that you receive that are going to be best for others, you know? Uh, yes, it's a little bit of a um, dance working with <laughs> what I know in a marketing perspective is the way to promote something, but that I'm doing it with, yeah, what guidance oh, I receive. How do you do that? Well, I would probably have more dollars in the bank if I went with the marketing <laughs> one. <laughs> so, um, but my version of what success means in life is 
about um, being sort of happy and fulfilled on more a soul sort of level and living a little bit slower pace. So with that comes different balancing acts of, yeah, how to align with those values and then how to also have income coming in. Um, yeah, so success for me is about not being stressed. So I'm always, it's always a bit of a balance and a dance with how to do all that. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I love it. I was just picturing you with, um, like if you had a manager, I can just see the manager tearing their hair out saying, Kerry, you've got to come and do this. And you're like, no, that, that is not what I'm getting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I also have so many great ideas that a manager would be good at times to just say, okay, well, we'll just get all this in alignment, which I think Steffi, um, I know you're, you're really good with that. I think you balance both really well. So I think I'm due for a little bit more guidance from you. Well, I look forward to that. You know I love getting my teeth into that stuff. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so there you go. There's all aspect of me, my superpowers and other love areas it. that I need help from to utilise someone else's superpowers. Well, if you want to connect with Kez, Facebook, Instagram, uh, website, and you're looking for Kerry Brown Activator on social media, and the website address is kerrybrown.com is so that right if you just pop louise in the middle of all those ones you'll find me so it's kerry, <laughs> kerry louise. sorry no that's fine it was kerry brown was a little bit common so i was getting mixed up with an author uh, oh, so i had to throw my middle name in there kerry louise brown dot activator um on facebook and insta and then my website is kerry louise brown.com and I, from my heart of hearts, would encourage everybody that is touched by this conversation, just just follow Kerry. Just, you know, plug in, stay tuned, because whatever she offers is for the greater good. <laughs> and um, it's, it's a special community to be part of. So, Kerry, just thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. I love talking with you, whether I'm amidst a panic attack or <laughs> we're talking about business or whether we're just connecting as friends. Thank you so much for being here. Um, you're fully appreciated. Thanks, Steffi, and thanks for all you do. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> all right, my love. Okay. Uh, we will talk soon. Okay. Love Bye. you. Thanks, everyone, for love listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye.